Bad Family, a podcast for black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Link. Hey, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's the weekend. I got a little workout in. Um, nice. Matt slept in this morning, and I got lots of quiet time to myself, which was really nice. But... Hey, Lindsay. I need to work out today, too, but I've been having a lazy morning, which has been nice. It's perfect to do that. Lindsay, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. How are you doing? How's your weekend? Uh, I'm all right. My weekend has been fine. Um, <laughs> I just fully forgot what I did yesterday. What did I do? <laughs> um... Oh yeah, we went to Jollibee for the first time, which is a it's a local chain in uh, LA and the surrounding counties. It's very popular in the um like Filipino question mark Vietnamese. Oh, is that neighborhood? the chain where you can get like the rice fruit? coconut i don't know like all different kinds it's like a dessert shake that's yeah it's called hollow it was on um anthony bourdain when he did his la episode of um was it no reservations or the other one i think it was parts unknown it could have been no reservations but i think it might have been one of the very first seasons of parts unknown yeah that was a really good episode that was a phenomenal episode yeah, I went to, we've been to the, um, he went to like a great bun place in that same episode. And I've been there before, but I had never been to Jollibee before. So we went and it was awesome. Jollibee is king. Is what? <laughs> it's king. Oh, king. <laughs> I thought you said tang. I was like, is that a new slang? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like it's so tangy. It's tang. <laughs> no, it's king. And then we went and, uh. We ate it at the Griffith Park Observatory. So that was fun. Lovely. Uh, Matt and I also were outside yesterday. Um, I wanted to, I don't know, I just wanted to be outside. So we took a really long walk, which was lovely. I feel like I just forget that when your feet are moving, your brain is moving. You know, it just felt very healthy. I need to walk more. Yeah, me too. I was walking all the time early in quarantine, but then summer happened here and it was just too hot so no walking uh not recently yeah i haven't been walking that much either since um we don't commute (laughs) right (laughs) so it is what it is um all right i guess let's go ahead and get started we're going to start for our tell us apart moment today i thought we would finish the 36 questions that lead to love from psychologist Arthur Aaron and others um, that we didn't finish last week because I needed to end the episode immediately. (laughs) 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 Okay, so skipping right in. I know in the past episode, it just, we did the three different stats that were getting more and more intimate or more and more vulnerable 
Um, but with no further ado, with no uh, lead up, <laughs> question 33. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone and why haven't you told them yet? <laughs> probably, probably the way I was planning on killing Lincoln. <laughs> just just get it over with, man. Let's just do it. <laughs> um, I don't think I have an answer to that question. I'm not really a... I kind of just say what... Well, I don't know. I'm not very like cagey about my feelings. Yeah, I don't have like I don't... something I, you know, like an estranged relationship or do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like I've never, you know, told our parents I love them or our siblings. So I don't, it's not like I, re- I regret someone I care about not knowing that I care about them. I don't think I have. That. Yeah, that seems like. But I feel like I would. That seems question what'd you say i said that seems like what this question is getting after but i do feel like Like, i would deeply regret um that i hadn't communicated uh mainly i think i would like deeply regret that i had never published anything do you know what i mean that like it's not something specific that I wish I hadn't communicated or something specific that I wish I hadn't communicated with a, a certain individual. I just feel like I wish that I had worked to, to take whatever limited talents I have in me. Do you know what I mean? And like gotten it down. Yeah. I think I would deeply regret that. The potential, the like snuffed out potential. That said, if you're supposed to, if you're dying today, is that part of the question? Yeah. Yeah. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? Why haven't you told them yet? If I knew I was dying tonight, I would just probably call all of our family and, you know. But you can't. Well, if you knew you're dying. If I were going to die this evening and I didn't have a chance to communicate, I would not worry about, like, you know, if I'm dying tonight, I'm not going to spend that time regretting anything. <laughs> but I'm going to be, I is a already dead. You know, like you're dead. Oh, sure. What yeah. Would if you I'm already regret dead, not I having done. If I'm dead, I'm dead. I don't regret anything. I'm gone. <laughs> You're not can't really trick me. Ask, you're not really answering the premise of the question though. I feel like <sighs> they really want me to spill all my secrets here. <laughs> they want me to tell everybody <laughs> everybody I've ever loved. No. Well, I mean, I, obviously I don't you to... don't have to answer the question if it's something very personal. But I, I, I just, I just speculate. I'm just interested in what other people would say. I also feel like the older you get, the more life you've had to twist you. Do you know what I mean? So I almost feel mm-hmm. like the older and older I get, 
the more sadnesses I have, the more regrets I have, the more shames I have, the more embarrassments I have. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, also joy, but yeah, I feel like you're kind of you you know, if I were 90, (laughs) I imagine that I would have regrets whether or not I had told other people. I mean, I have regrets now, but it's not stuff that like I need to communicate with anyone. Yeah. No, no regrets. Um, I also have no regrets. <laughs> you guys are just so clean, you know? No. <laughs> I mean, if you have say, get it off your chest. Um, like, as quickly as you can. Otherwise, it's just going to bother you. So. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, and that's why we haven't told them yet, I suppose. We, you know can wiped nothing (laughs) (laughs) nothing to share okay question 34 your house containing everything you own catches fire after saving your loved ones and pets you have time to safely make a final dash to save any one item what would it be why Mm. i actually do i have a go bag for this exact situation because there's a lot of fires that happen here and in my go bag I have uh, a photo album and grandma's necklace and um, like important documents what necklace do you have of grandma's pearls yeah I have grandma's pearls because when she died um, Aunt Mary Beth gave them to me that's very very sweet yeah um i have something similar actually not a go bag but we have a fireproof box that has our important documents you know like passports birth certificates social security cards i mean and not like all of that can't be replaced although it would be difficult but it has the things that we consider irreplaceable which i actually should add more to it but it's like some family photos Um, And I have a book, actually, that my girlfriends made me when I was going through my divorce, where every one of them, like, wrote a poem for me. So it's like a poem for me, for my, you know, 10 closest girlfriends. And that is my most treasured possession. That's so nice. Yeah. So that's in the fireproof box. Um. I do not have a to-go bag or a fireproof box, but y'all are making me think that I should be a little bit more prepared. Um, I have, like, a milk crate that I filled with, like, one folder is important documents like uh, Social Security and tax stuff and whatnot. And I also have, like, another folder that's just, like, um, all the letters or handwritten notes anyone has ever given me, um, or like old pictures. So I think I would just go and grab that milk crate. That's a good idea. I have a, a box like that too of like every card or letter or note I've ever <laughs> gotten. Mm-hmm. I actually asked my friends whether they kept cards because I have so many now. That it's just like not very practical to store them <laughs> you know because we live in this tiny new york apartment so i was asking people like 
do you keep other people's Christmas cards? <laughs> you know, things like that. And some did and some did not, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm kind of nostalgic, but I'm sort of at the limit of what I can store. So, okay. Question 35. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing and why? <laughs> oh, gosh. I didn't read these in advance. <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> yes. Whose death would I find the most disturbing? Damn. Yeah. Me. Um, you can't choose yourself. Why not? I mean, because I'm not sure you'd be conscient or sentient to be able to find your own death disturbing. Yeah. Um... I honestly think for me it's dad and and you know scale to scale I might find mom's death more disturbing but because I think dad will die first because he's a lot older than mom it is like the death that I think will generationally bring us that much closer to death you know where there's no more any no longer any buffer between you uh-huh. When your parents are gone, um, I realize that it's coming, and yet I have no guards against it. I think that our father's death will crush me. Damn. <laughs> Lincoln. Uh, I, uh, man, this is a hard question. This is a hard question. I think if any of like the nephews or nieces passed, that would hurt. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe one of the babies, but I also dads would be dads will be difficult. I think also because he's like our only link to Samoa our Polynesian family in many, I mean, not our only link, but he's our strongest link. Um, And it will feel a little unmooring not to have him. Deeply unmooring. Yeah, I agree. Does anyone else have anything they want to say about that? Nah. Yeah, I will say um, there, I think I've talked about this before, but there are these twin brother poets who I really like, Matthew and Michael Dickman, and they are both professional poets, you know, identical twins, but I mean, maybe they were fraternal, but I think they're identical. But anyway, one of them wrote this poem um, about slow dancing and one of the I wish I had looked this up, actually, but in the poem, he's talking about slow dancing with other people. And there's this line about slow dancing with his twin brother and the idea that he knows that one of them will die first and the other will suffer. And I often think about that in terms of us having, you know, being eight children, you know, having seven siblings, that the odds are we're unlikely to be the first to die which means in our lifetime we'll bury many, you know, if not all yeah. of our siblings before us. 
not me. I'm going first. <laughs> well, I'm not likely to be last. <laughs> um, I bury each of you in turn. Lincoln's like, I'll do you it all at once. Lincoln? <laughs> so, I mean, I just find that I'm, I don't know. Obviously, having siblings is such a joy, but I find that like so tragic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question 36 Share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also, ask your partner to reflect back to you how you seem to be feeling about the problem you have chosen. Ooh, this is an interesting yeah, one. Whoa. Share, I'll read it again. Share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also, ask your partner to reflect back to you how you seem to be feeling about the problem you have chosen. Anyone have something? Mm. I don't have major personal problems right now. Um, like, the main thing bothering me today is that my wrist super hurts. I'm trying to just, like, rest it and figure out ways to not uh, exacerbate it, I guess. What happened to your wrist? I don't know. Just, like typing all day and i like use it all the time oh it do you have car tunnel maybe you well please take care of yourself you may have exacerbated it if you were working out or you know just somehow twinged it mm-hmm. um matt once gave himself a black eye while sleeping just like sleeping weird with his like face on his arm a weird way um, so you, I bring that up to say you might have done something to it in your sleep. Mm. Um, and I feel, since I'm reflecting back on how you seem to be feeling about the problem, I feel like you seem pretty neutral. Yeah. yeah. Just like not a very vulnerable problem. <laughs> well, I thought we would start light as well. I'm not freaking out, but it's bothering me. Sure. Well, I can share a personal problem. Uh, my forever conundrum is deciding whether or not I'm going to have kids, especially as I am 35 and like losing my potential years um, and trying to decide, you know, how to move forward in this life and in this time where it's never really a good time to have kids and wondering if I'm too old and already too tired um, and also like the issues of uh, being with a partner who I think would have kids, but it's also not his, you know, real preference. Like it's something that would have to be negotiated. And I don't think that that's something that you can or should necessarily negotiate. And also like the larger conundrum of it, like it not being very sustainable to have kids. Yeah. And But at the same time, like if you were to adopt children, like it's almost cost prohibitive to be able to adopt so just you know trying to decide for myself in a very diminishing number of years (laughs) I have left to decide like what choice I should make with diminishing time to act yeah I think about that too but with from the perspective of having no partner and no one (laughs) 
no no perspective partners either but I feel like this is a this isn't really a problem with like a clear solution or a you know an easy like you should do this um well reflect back on me to me I guess how I seem to be feeling about the problem um it sounds like you're feeling a little bit um like stuck in one place over it is how I'm hearing it like I'm kind of only hearing negative uh you know reasons why you shouldn't do it and not too much about why you might want to um does that sound accurate to you that's probably true it's easier for me to think about the barriers than it is for me to think about the positives well what why would you want to do it Um, I think that there's something biological, obviously, since so many people do it, about wanting to have a kid and sort of have your line carry on. And also, I think seeing like our parents joy, just like how they see us, I think, as the best things they've ever done in their life. I feel like there's some part of me that would feel regret if I never had the experience. Mm. And it's not that I don't think I can have a similar experience, like through our relationships with our nieces and nephews, but I think there is a part of me when I become unable to have kids that will always wonder what if. Yeah, I feel that way. It's a huge decision. Um, And I feel like when I was younger, I always... Um, I always thought it would might be nice to have some kids, but now as I get older, I am like thinking more heavily about things. I'm not sure. Yeah, you've got time. You've got lots of time. Um, Lindsay, what's your problem? Um, cool. Um, here's my problem. Oh, I'm going to try and frame this with no names, but my, (laughs) uh, one of my very close friends for a long time, uh, said some things about me behind my back to a bunch of our other friends. I already explained this to all of you. Um, but I'll just sum it up briefly. Um, said some hurtful things and like has been sort of manipulative in the past and then I sent her an email explaining why I like you know hadn't been responding to her for a while why I I had like asked her for some space and told her like well so i've heard you know from some of our other close friends that you've been saying these things about me this is how that makes me feel basically asked for an explanation and then 
she emailed me back and it was very brief and kind of felt like it had been written with or by her therapist. It was kind of like, I'm sorry you've been feeling that way. I would like to discuss this on the phone or in person. Like, I'd like to, you know, talk this through and continue our friendship if that sounds amenable to you or something along those lines. And I was like, I have not responded yet. It's been probably like six weeks since I got that email. And I think part of the reason I don't, I haven't responded is that um, I don't really want to talk in person or on the phone, especially since she didn't apologize really in the email for the things she said or like take any ownership of it at all. She just said like, sorry, you feel that way. So that doesn't make me feel like the conversation would go in a productive direction. And also, like in the past, I have felt like when we have had conversations that were like trying to work through conflict, I always feel like I end up like apologizing, even if I'm the one who felt annoyed or whatever in the first place. So I don't really want to. Like, I would kind of rather, if we were going to work this out, start by email, which is how I initially started the conversation, because I feel like it will get twisted on me if we did it over the phone or in person without, like, some sort of third-party moderator. Do you have a therapist right now, Lindsay? No. I think that might be beneficial to you. I mean, to everyone. I didn't mean to say that, like, no. to you. <laughs> um, my advice um, on how I might handle that, I guess it sounds like you are feeling, in a way, stuck. Um, it sounds like you have you know, negative feelings that haven't been resolved or addressed. Do you know what I mean? Like with a third mm -hmm. party, it sounds to me like you have work, personal work to do, which is not to say a negative thing. We all have personal work to do, but it sounds like you have a lot of hurt, like a lot of hurt and pain about a really close friend feeling, you know, like, losing your trust or betraying your trust um and from my perspective um it sounds like something it would be really helpful to talk about with a third party like a neutral third party i think in terms of wanting to communicate over email um i sort of agree with the other person in the scenario only because uh, well, actually, I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes email can be a really helpful way to thoughtfully plot out feelings, but at the same time, so much, it, it, you have to be so, so, so careful because it's easier to communicate with all like the verbal, visual, physical cues. It's less easy, I guess, to miscommunicate um, in person than it is to miscommunicate over email. 
So I think you're doing a really good job in, in, you know, taking the time that you need. And it's fine to keep taking the time that you need. Um, But my perspective on it is that, you know, obviously it's up to you what you want to do. But I don't think you've given this other person the opportunity to share their side of the story. And even if they were, you know, dramatically in the wrong um, and acting shitty, you know, it's it, you know, perhaps they simply wanted an opportunity to express that, you know, over the phone or in, or in person. I'm not sure. But um, I'm sorry. Sorry you're going through that. Thanks. I'm sorry, That's too. Lindsay. Um, yeah. To me, it sounds like you don't want to have your feelings invalidated through a conversation. Um, which may have happened in the past when you had uh, one-on-one in-person talks. Um, But yeah, like Courtney was saying, I think you just need to uh, sort of feel around and figure out what kind of relationship you want with that person going forward and then that'll help you figure out what to do next yeah I mean this is what I've yeah I think part of the reason I haven't responded to is that I don't know what I want the relationship to look like in the future like I think it's clear we're not going to be as close as we have been because there's a trust lost um but I don't even know like I don't know I feel some pressure because we have been friends for so long we have a lot of mutual friends I feel some mild pressure to you know resolve things for the sake of like all these other people who would be like I don't know feel uncomfortable if this friendship were severed but I don't know I don't think you have to worry about them Um, but I do think that you should aim to find some closure to the situation because otherwise it will just be sort of like an ever present thing in the back of your mind Uh, so it would be better to either start making strides to building a bridge again or just to close the door and then move on yeah yeah i agree it's probably like an emotional it is (laughs) like an unclosed circuit and even if the answer is just that you're not ready to address it right now you could let that other person know that you'll reach out when you're ready but just the hanging ghosting is probably an emotional well that's what the original email was was me reaching out (laughs) to like start to clear the air but I felt like you know um paused a little bit by the fact that her response email initially didn't seem to take any ownership of the fact that she had hurt me and that I had said hey you hurt me in this way and she was like I'm sorry you've been feeling that way 
But you don't, we also with email are not sure that that is what the person meant in using yeah. those words. You know, if it truly was drafted by her therapist, you know, she might be thinking, I was advised that this is the best thing I can say until I'm able to talk to the person, you know, in person. Do you know what I mean? Like you may be being triggered by something the other person hadn't considered because language is so hard in print. But I mean, and if you're right and this other person doesn't feel like they did anything wrong, I mean further conversation could confirm yeah. that i don't know we'll see anyway i'm sorry that you had to go through that and continue to go through that um but let's clear the air <laughs> yeah move on <laughs> yeah moving on what we wanted to talk about today um was something that we started talking about last week um, David Attenborough, David Attenborough and the natural world. Um, basically I'll let Lincoln kick us off, but we were talking about David Attenborough's new documentary, a life Ooh. on our planet, which I actually just watched today in preparation. For this it's episode. great. isn't it? It was phenomenal. I don't think I can understate how important a film it was. And I will be encouraging everyone listening to this to immediately stop listening and watch this <laughs> David Attenborough documentary. Um, yeah, I really love the documentary. Uh, so I'm going to try not to spoil anything, but basically David Attenborough has sort of been exploring the planet and working in conservation for his entire life. And so he has seen firsthand sort of the decline of the natural world um, and the effects that it is having. Um, towards the latter half of the movie, he describes different possible outcomes of what the world might look like if we continue on the path that we're on now in terms of burning fossil fuels and um, like population growth and also uh, more and more people eating like heavy meat diets. Um, but he also offers some solutions um, to get the world back on track. Um, well, and I found that to be almost the most mm -hmm. interesting part of it, because I had never heard the solutions so clearly mm -hmm. articulated, like the ideas that he expressed. You know, and perhaps that's on me for never digging into this further. But I just felt like the whole thing was educational and absolutely mm -hmm. astounding especially as climate change is such a hot button issue. Um, but I do not feel like we have enough press or discussion about solutions and ways to overcome it. And I feel like uh, it's so critical. I think right now climate change is like, it's definitely in my top three political issues that I care about and would vote to try to improve 
Um, I'm not sure where it falls. Um, and since the documentary, I've me and Haley have been trying to eat more veggies, and we're trying to limit ourselves to eat meat like once a week, and only white meat. And so far, it's been going well. Um, I bought this vegetarian cookbook, and we've been moving through it. Oh, it's called Thug Kitchen. <laughs> it is really, really good. Is it good? good? Maybe I'll buy um, it. The well. recipes are written um, in kind of a funny way, so it's always like, throw that bell pepper shit in the pan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, that is something that like hit me really strongly as well because... Um, I, I mean, I think we've been eating too much meat as well. I was vegetarian for 10 years, but I haven't been, you know, the last however many, seven, six, seven. And so I was thinking myself, maybe it's time either to start again or to just like you said, have, a, you know, we need to move toward the majority of our populations, you know, having a largely plant-based diet. And I would not say right now. But I have a largely plant-based diet. I would say I eat pretty shitty, <laughs> if you can summarize that well, in a diet. Like so with not as much color. It's as so easy either. to eat meat every day too, because you can go out and have like a burger for lunch, and you can have bacon for breakfast, and you like, if you want to feel full, you'll typically have like a meaty entree. Um, so yeah, just finding ways around that is really crucial and also better for your body well even if you're eating out too there aren't if you can eat vegetarian but yeah. i wouldn't say that it's easy i feel like it's not the norm to have like great vegetarian options well that's what's nice just about living in a big about. city like for the three of us we could probably find good veggie or vegan options where we live without too much fuss but I think it's probably harder if you don't live in a in a big city yeah definitely if you live in a small town um, I was also so fascinated by this idea of sustainable farming um, in the Netherlands and really would like to go and see that um, I went to Amsterdam in 2018 I guess. And it was phenomenal. One of the best trips of my life, but I would love to go back and see this farming. I had no idea that the Netherlands was one of the top producers and distributors of food in the world for being such a small country and that they've done it through sustainable farming. I was mind blown and immediately thought, why aren't we doing that here in America? That is really cool. I also am hoping that like climate change as an issue kind of catches fire particularly like as soon as possible really because i want oil and coal eventually to be completely phased out yeah i think we all do something after watching that documentary that struck me is that like our current president on the debate that he had with Joe Biden, the first debate, 
Um, he just, I just, just very distinctly remember that he kept saying like Biden supports the Green New Deal, and he was saying it as like a dirty word. And Biden does, while Biden does not support the Green New Deal, I was like, why is it so so negative? You know, for him to be saying like Green New Deal, like it was like a a slur, like the worst thing that you could ever support, like becoming, yeah, you know, carbon neutral should be. That should be the goal. Something that we're all working toward. Why, you know, like, why is it like saying the nastiest thing about someone? And Mike Pence made me really angry too during the vice presidential debate because he kept talking about um, coal and o- coal and oil, but instead of calling it like coal and oil or fossil fuels, he said American energy is strong. We have the strongest American energy. <laughs> um, like trying to rebrand this terrible thing as like a patriotic whatever yeah but it just made me angry because like he is actively accepting money from fossil fuel lobbyists as he rebrands this earth killing thing so he can make money and get votes well i mean and politics is so hard because in the same way like on the democratic side you know joe biden is supporting fracking and fracking is horrible for the environment as well but in Pennsylvania, they can't say that they want to end fracking because the majority of voters there, well, not, I don't know if the majority, but a large majority of voters there are tied to fracking. And so it is threatening to their employment. And, you know, as a country, we need to move away from these industries that are destroy, destroying the earth, but not leave the people who are currently in them stranded to fend for themselves like we need pathways for new employment yeah the goal should be to transition to like environmentally sustainable energy and to also transition the people who are working in oil or fracking or whatever into the new sustainable energy jobs yes I mean, I'm not sure how, (laughs) as individuals, the best thing that we can individually do, you know, besides like uh, writing our Congress people or using our own limited platforms, obviously on a personal level, like we talked about how we're trying to have more plant-based diets since we can only affect us. I've also wondered about how to make like Matt and I, like our tiny family sustainable. Like, I know many, many people are trying to get rid of, like, single-use plastics, but, like, I'm not exactly sure how to make us 100% sustainable. I think it is more sustainable that we're living in a city since we never drive, and now that we don't go to work, we never commute. But I'm not sure otherwise. Like, I have no sense of what our environmental impact or like our carbon footprint is. i think in terms of plastic use i put more of the responsibility on like the government and corporations to the government to like give incentives or place restrictions um that encourage corporations to stop using plastic to package all of their stuff yeah because otherwise, like, we don't really have a choice when you go to the grocery store. Everything is wrapped in plastic and you need to get food. Um, yeah, I 
you could try and like lobby yeah, for more community true. garden space in urban areas but that's kind of it's not an immediate change um or you could try and i mean the problem is first of all a lot of plastics even if they say they're recyclable are not being recycled because it's not cost cost effective so i think you know Maybe something we could do is just kind of embrace grandma's <laughs> like depression era washing out um, Ziploc bags attitude. Like that is, uh, I don't know why we all made fun of her for that because actually <laughs> it was probably the right thing to do. Um, she was she as was green, green as as you could be. Um, and then I think yeah what's difficult is that individually I don't think we can have that big of an impact because it is like these however many like 100 corporations that are literally poisoning the planet and causing climate change Um, oh um, something that I thought that I would do is look at my 401k Um, and look into how I can move all of my investments into green investments. Because right now I'm in um, index funds, you know, which cover a span of the market. But I am, I mean, and index funds are great, but 100%, I'm sure that I have some percentage of money invested in companies that I morally disagree with. Just because an index fund is capturing a tiny percentage, like basically a swath or an index of the market. But I know that index funds exist that have weeded out, you know, like oil companies and, and things that I don't want to actually have, you know, my money in. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought that that is, you know, like one small thing that I could do is get my retirement money out of these corporations immediately. I need to do that as well, although I'm not super sure how, because I have money in it. Um, I'll find out how and then I'll advise. I'll advise on the podcast, actually. Maybe I can recommend funds people can move their money to. So, I mean, it's just small things. Uh, I know I'm cynical, but more and more and more, I just feel like the world moves on money and power. And, like, if we had billions of dollars, we would be able to lobby. And, the law, you know, like the Green New Deal might pass or like a carbon tax might pass or like having no fishing zones or having more sustainable farming, things like that. It all happens by, yes, large swaths of people caring, but more than that, when you have minority opinions and can't get the world to move, it moves with money. That's my cynical perspective. I don't know if it's cynical. It's just like, <laughs> that's the way it is. Yeah. Or realistic. Always... And people have always cared a little bit more about getting money and um, like just sort of short-term goals rather than uh, why would we change the energy grid to be sustainable when it's really expensive and it doesn't put money in my pocket right now. Right. Well, yeah. Well, and the sad thing is, is a lot of people in America can't think more broadly 
when you don't have a job and your family members don't have a job and you don't know how you're going to pay your rent, you can't lose your job in the mind. Do you know what I mean? You can't think about what the planet is going to look like in 50 years because you don't know how you're going to survive next week. And so until life improves for everyone, you know, until we stop having our system that benefits the rich and on the backs of the poor, we can't see that. Speaking of, I have a movie recommendation for you. Um, Nina and I watched this documentary called Harlan County, USA from the seventies a little while ago. And it's about like the labor tension in the coal mining industry um, and how these like coal miners try to start a union and the owners like, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. It's about like the tension between um, classes and um, I think there's a little bit about environmental impact too, but it's, it's very worth watching. What platform um, did HBO you watch it on? Max, I think. Okay, I'll check it out. It sounds good. It sounds really good. Um, I'm feeling <laughs> kind of negative, actually. <laughs> I just feel like as a middle class individual with some disposable income, but not, you know, thousands and certainly not billions. Um, what do you think is the great, the best thing we could do to help um, move toward equality? Uh, I mean, like uh, raising the standard of living for. I think more getting people. involved in the community, like community organizing, um, especially like you know find an issue that is important to you like Lincoln maybe it would be you know advocacy for climate change or something pick something specific and get involved with it on a local level um and then that would also maybe help (laughs) fight some of the cynicism because I think even while we can acknowledge that realistically the world is controlled by you know wealthy greedy awful people who would feed us all to the wolves to make a buck um there are far 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 more people who you know would give you the shirt off their back um and who like care about other people and want to make a difference so I was getting involved and like trying to read more about the issues that care or that matter to you. Thank you. I think that was like the positive sentiment that I needed. And I 100% agree. I think getting involved locally is probably, I hadn't thought of that, but like a perfect way to start to feel like you're enacting some, something different even if you're just you know getting involved in local groups and maybe you're only you know like talking to your council yeah. people and I but think it, it, will, it helps 
beat back the cynicism about because I feel often overwhelmed by how everything in the world seems to be burning (laughs) and everything seems so bad but it can help to try and do what we can where we are yeah like the idea of lifting where you stand which is something I remember from Mormonism where one of the um, I forget what they're called. This is, forgive me. Like high Mormon leaders, 12 apostles. What are they called? General authorities. <laughs> no, I, this is embarrassing. I've forgotten a lot. But I think it, I think it was President Uchtdorf, who was like a Mormon leader. I distinctly remember him giving this talk about um, like help a bunch of people helping to move a piano and how like it would have been impossible to move a piano just by yourself but like they gathered around the piano and like lifted where they stood and like the concept of lifting where you stand that things can be done together that could never be done by an individual which I think that concept has legs beyond like a religious context Mm -hmm. so well, good. I mean, I guess I want to end by just encouraging everyone to watch this David Attenborough documentary, Life on Our Planet. Um, and if you have feedback about or your own thoughts, ideas <laughs> about any of this um, or what more we could do as individuals locally, nationally or internationally, let us know. Badfamilypodcast at gmail.com. Um, something else I want to look into is if David Attenborough has his own foundation that it would be possible to support or, you know, other organizations working for positive action against climate change that we could donate to, since I think uh, you get things done through through money, through your donations. Um, and also, um, I wanted to look into the UN, since I know the UN is doing really positive things to try and help the planet Um, and fight against climate change I wanted to look into the UN and maybe what they advise as individuals that we could do so I encourage everyone to do the same good idea right on good idea will anyone have anything they want to say before we wrap up um try to change your diets so that you eat less meat sounds good to me yeah what did they say at the end of um Oh. Captain Planet. <laughs> what did they say? <laughs> what did they say? Because saving our planet is the thing to do. Looting and polluting is not the way. Here's what Captain Planet has to say. Dang. The power is yours. Okay, that came back to me. <laughs> yeah. All right, the power is yours. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Smell you later. <laughs>